On a Thursday heavyweight technology and business news, QVC has decided to buy its rival HSN for a good chunk of change, making a major sales company to battle the other major sales company that doesn't need TV to sell. Meanwhile, Bill Cosby gets a new trial date, so it is going to trial again, and the U.S. ethics director resigns due to, quote, the current situation that's going on in the administration. We'll talk about that and a few other great stories that happened on yesterday, today, is July the 7th, so that makes this the Daily Recap Podcast for July 7th, 2017. And welcome to the podcast. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. I'm your host for this podcast and the moderator for all things that are emanating through thisconversation.com. Now, that website and its social media feed does a great thing for me, gives me the sources to talk about all the great stories and news things around the world and it gives you something cool to do you can interact with these stories telling me which ones are the best ones the most important ones the ones you really want to talk to and of course also telling me which ones aren't as popular so hopefully i'll learn to get the bright ones on more frequently and sometimes well we're human, so it all works out that way. The whole podcast, the whole shebang is growing, and we thank you so much for being a part of what we have going on. To be a part of everything every single day, it's easy. Just follow us on social media. TH underscore conversation is us on Twitter. Also us, I know not grammatically correct, but us on Facebook is This is the Conversation. And look for the main website, thisistheconversation.com. And out on the main website, you can join the conversation survey panel where you can take actual paid surveys and get paid directly into your PayPal account without all the hassles and hoop jumping of having to qualify every single time. If we send you a survey, you're in. You do the survey, you'll get paid through PayPal. Just like that. Check out thisistheconversation.com slash survey panel and make that happen today. Meanwhile, let's go ahead and make happen the stories that we talked about all day for Thursday. Starting off with a 5.8 uh, earthquake in Montana. An earthquake hit in western Montana early Thursday, and that came in at a 5.8 magnitude, about 13.6 kilometers in depth, about 33 miles northwest of Helena, Montana, which is the capital. This is coming from the UGS, USGS. I always messed that up. The United States Geological Survey struck about seven miles southeast of Lincoln. And that has a population of about a thousand people. So, what a lot. What there weren't a lot of people that were really affected in the main thought about it. But when we think about earthquakes, we always think about Los Angeles. We always think about San Francisco. We always think about California because of the great earthquakes there. Here in Arkansas, we're right here on a pretty big fault line that they say one day is going to crack and split the states in half. Uh, and that fault line does carry other faults around the nation, other places. This is another place where uh, a very heavy magnitude earthquake was happening as well. So while there weren't many, many people affected, of course, the land and in in just the general thought of dealing with an earthquake is pretty stressful in itself. So something you should know that California is not the only place where earthquakes happen here in the states. And while they may not be as, as frequent or as deadly, they are as dangerous in the grand scheme of things. Now, QVC is going to buy out its TV rival HSN, and I forget which one is older. There's actually about five or six actual shopping networks on TV, which most of them are owned by, in small parts by your cable people. So your cable channel will have uh, some sort of small kind of dealing thing so that when you flip new channels late at night, you see something that might catch your interest, you may buy something. Uh, the cable channels is that QVC and HSN are the biggest independent shopping channels. But they're losing money big time. And why are they losing money big time? Well, because people don't go to the television to watch and wait for something to buy. 
that goes straight to Amazon and get it paid for, get it shipped uh, for free if they pay the prime uh, cost of $99 a year. They also don't sit around and wait for all the bells and whistles and need all the showrooming stuff. They just want to go ahead and buy their stuff. And the collection is is exquisite on Amazon HSN. It's basically here it is and here it's not. So QVC, which already owns, at least the parent company QVC, owns a good chunk of stock in HSN, which is already weird enough. QVC is going to just straight up buy the company, the network, for $2 billion dollars. They will combine the power of the two brands and take a lot of their work online, just like Amazon. So focus a lot on having the inventory online for a longer period of time, a, a more extended period of time, so it's not necessarily here and gone. Although scarcity is what makes the home shopping channels work. And basically, you see it on TV. You see it being advertised. You see how great it is. You watch Wolfgang Punk. Puck make a stake. You watch Tony Little ride the gazelle. You watch the people do the things and use the equipment, and then you basically have showroomed it. It's essentially now a, a essentially infomercial that's 24-7, although the infomercials aren't as powerful as they once were now with online shopping. So they're going to take their TV power and put it together, put a little mojo in to make it Internet-friendly, and hopefully stay alive. Also trying to stay alive are auto companies who are trying to make the shift, and this is happening mostly overseas. Now, of course, here in America, we have a president who's pushing for more coal, which you can't put in a car, but France is looking to end the sale of all petrol and diesel vehicles, that's gas and diesel vehicles, by 2040. And they essentially were moved by the move earlier this week, the announcement uh, coming from Volvo, which says by 2019, all the cars will be hybrids or electrics. They will no longer be any straight-up gas cars coming up in two years, uh, let alone France. France looks to end the sale of all those cars that burn gas by 2040 because there will be plenty of other companies that will be still burning gas for a while. This, of course, will amp up the timeline for other companies to get off the gas stick and move on to something else. We'll see what something else actually turns out to be. And, of course, France is giving the world 20 years or so to figure this out, as opposed to Volvo, who says they're going to do it two years from now. Now, a major company restructure going to Microsoft. Of course, everyone's having issues in the economy these days. Although the economy is technically growing, uh, the major companies are seeing a slight falls as people are using their services uh, less and less. So slight falls in the main uh, large industries in their population of workers. Microsoft's slashing some workers because they're going to slash some sales and marketing people. This is one of the times where the sales and marketing people, the people in the big offices, aren't getting cut before the manufacturing people. They're seeing um, plenty of sales or selling things being sold, uh, but the revenue from that sales, uh, you know, you have to pay the salespeople, the marketing people to do the work. If with a few less of those folks selling a little bit more, those people will make more money and the company should stay stable. They think with the right balance of workers building things and creating things and directing things, they're fine. It's just in a matter of making a little extra money for the salespeople that will survive and for the company with less salespeople. Now, we've been talking for a while about that iceberg uh, uh, will become an iceberg off in Antarctica. There's a big ice shelf, a large piece of ice that's about to break off Antarctica. It's it's not land. It's all ice. It is now the size of Delaware. Actually, it's been the size of Delaware for a while, but they've tested it. They've measured it. It extends now about 700 feet below the surface. So when this thing breaks, which is going to happen, you know, it could be an any day now thing at this point. Uh, it's going to uh, cause some issues wherever it goes, number one. But a big ice shelf, a big chunk of ice about the size of Delaware, just mass-wise or, or, or from from 
from scale-wise from the top that goes down 700 feet below will start to float away and do whatever. What it will mean for the main continent, that's a good question. Essentially, this is a global warming phenomenon, a global warming question uh, that with less ice on the shelf of Antarctica, there's technically you know less land, per se, to deal with. Although this is permanently frozen ice, we'll see exactly what this really means. But look out for a Delaware-sized iceberg coming to you very soon. Now, the U.S. Ethics Director, Ethics, ethics Office Director, if you knew we had one, yes, we do have an Office of Ethics Direction. Uh, the director's name was, or his name still is, Walter Shaw, but he is no longer director. He put in his resignation. He's saying there's some issues with the Trump administration that are basically driving him batty that he just can't work with. Plus, he got a job with essentially an off firm, a, a watchdog group that can do a better job of pointing things out to what the government isn't actually doing or not doing even then the the job of the people in the government who are supposed to point out to the president what he can and cannot do because that job comes without the teeth of being able to enforce anything. All they can do is suggest. Now, people have suggested that Donald Trump is doing something that no other president has done in the modern times. Uh, in fact, basically all other presidents who've owned businesses or large stocks, large uh, chunks of money in something, have put their funds, have put their issues, have put all their assets into a blind trust. They were run by some board of people that were, you know, they could have been picked by said president, but they were run by some people who didn't have any necessarily ties to uh, the president and would run the trust and run what was inside of it without letting him know what was going on, can buy and sell what needed to be sold based on the market conditions and not based on the whim of the guy liked. Of course, President Trump uh, did not divest himself of anything, put his two sons in charge of his actual business, uh, has his daughter working in the White House, who still has some businesses going through, and, of course, built a hotel about a couple miles down the street from the White House that does host foreign dignitaries and other people. So... Because of things like that, Walter Shaw believes that uh, his time as the ethics director is done. Now, this is one of the one weird phenomena about uh, who comes into office in a major thing like this. This happens on a local scale. This happens on a statewide scale for your governor. This happens for a, um, a national scale. This happened to me personally. I actually had a uh, I actually had a contract with a contractor who was doing some website work for a local city here in Central Arkansas. And everything was fine and dandy, and I just got in on a contract. She had basically had someone build some websites, and I was going to come in and manage it uh, and, of course, teach uh, some city workers how to manage it, how to keep up, use upkeep, and, of course, publish themselves there to use that for my resume. A few months into that gig, uh, there was an election, as we knew was going to happen, and we expected one person was going to win the mayorship of the city. And he was apparently going to keep up with the contracts and had no real issue what was going on. He was going to keep that stuff status quo. Uh, a different person won the race, and he cut the contracts immediately. So because uh, the person I didn't expect won a political race, I lost the contract instantly because a person I thought I was going to work with didn't allow me to work with them. There are also cases where people are in government and they finally get that great job and they find out they have a boss they don't like from a party they they're not they don't they're not keen on and they have to do the work and do the bidding if you will for the people they don't like. That becomes a conflict in their heads and most times people who just can't deal with it it's it's they give up the job for their morals if you will 
uh, will leave the, the dream job they work for, especially in big-time government jobs. There are plenty of staffers uh, in D.C. who have been working all their lives for whomever because the administrations are just who they are. But they have jobs that aren't necessarily politically directed, so they can do what they want to uh, for whomever, except when the whomever is someone who doesn't get along with them and basically cuts them out of work. The Trump administration has done a lot of shifting of things and putting things that were normally in the hands of bureaucrats, for the most part, into uh, cronies, for lack of a better word. And, of course, a lot of the appointees who have gotten through so far and are still trying to get through uh, this whole administration process are people that, as Donald Trump has said, rich people who have learned how to do things because Trump wants rich people because they know how to do things to get things done in his administration, even though it's not working out so well in some of the pieces. So here's a piece where a guy, just a regular guy, who all he has to do is kind of look over what the president does and what the administration does and just say, hey, this isn't so great. Keep an eye on this. Hey, this is okay. You can get away with that. And because he has a boss who he doesn't have the power to actually punish, but a boss who doesn't have the capacity to listen, he's effectively out of the gig. He's jumping out and going to do something where he actually can have a say, doing exactly the same thing, pointing out the ethics violations or possible ethics violations, but actually has a bit of a power uh, to uh, get into the press and push that issue there, as opposed to just gently nudge the president to not do some things. SoundCloud has laid off 40% of its staff. It has killed its operations in London, now focusing mostly in Berlin, its home, and, of course, in New York City. SoundCloud, a very popular platform for musicians, and for bloggers. I say it like that because I was a very good fan and I'm still a fan of the interfaces and things that work on SoundCloud. The issues with SoundCloud happen to be it's a place that it's built primarily for musicians, independent musicians. That's what they actually uh, focus on. And so for bloggers, some of the things were a little lacking. And then on the back end, they weren't making any money because they're targeting independent musicians who, of course, aren't making a lot of money. It's basically used for sharing things and not so much for selling things. SoundCloud losing money and keep getting, they apparently keep finding enough funding to stay alive, but not enough funding to expand and grow. SoundCloud has been expected to die in the last um, couple of years. A lot of people have said they're basically been on their last legs, but right now they're currently uh, trying to survive whatever might be last legs, but pushing to see if they can get through whatever. Another round of funding it was rumored to have happened in the last couple of weeks they killed their London operations to save some money, as we said, focusing mostly in Berlin and still in the States, in New York City, to get things done. Bill Cosby gets a new trial date, so this thing's going to happen again. Uh, the retrial and charges he drugged and molested a woman more than a decade ago, set for November the 6th in Pennsylvania. Uh, we will see Judge Stephen O'Neill, who presided over Cosby's 11-day first trial that ended in a mistrial course, ordered a second trial to take place in the same courthouse, Montgomery County, outside of Philadelphia. And attorneys in the case, including District Attorney Kevin Steele and Cosby's defense lawyers Brian McNoggle and Angela Agrusa, uh, were ordered to notify witnesses and make them available to testify when needed. So everybody's back on the, the stick again. Everybody's back in court coming up in November. O'Neill, of course, ordered them to submit proposed jury questions and instructions no later than October 30th. So the quicker they get this thing done, the quicker it can be done. Now, when the mistrial initially happened, of course, there was a six-month uh, time to get the, back in the schedule. That happened within weeks or, or get it back into 
the process. That happened in weeks where they said it was going to schedule it, uh, and then a year to get it scheduled. So it's scheduled now for November. Then the Cosby Trial Part 2, the sequel, the redo, whatever you want to call it, is going to happen all over again. At least this time, we hope that it will come to some resolution. I doubt they'll get a third retrial in this one, but uh, this time we'll hopefully get some sort of resolution, yay or nay, for or against, guilty or not guilty, so that hopefully we can move on from this. The big question is, if this one goes to trial and this one actually gets done and Cosby is found guilty of the assault, will some of the fresher victims, some of the uh, fresher trial uh, victims, of course this is a 40-year ordeal in a sense, some of the people that were in the age or in the range that's more closer to right now, will they try make a shot to go against Cosby and give him more time? Because this, of course, means jail time if they convict him. And those are the stories that we had for today that happened yesterday. Today, of course, is Friday, and on a Friday, we will do more conversations with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So on Monday, you'll hear the daily recap for the three days. I know it's a daily for three days, but Saturday and Sunday aren't usually that, that heavy, but we usually have one or two big stories that make a big group between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Of course, with the G20 summit and Putin plus Trump meeting today, we'll probably have a couple things popping up there as well. In the meantime, later on today, we tape it on Friday, so it's prepared for Saturday morning. We have the weekly wrap-up podcast where we will wrap up uh, seven days from last Friday to yesterday, the biggest stories, the top ten stories up front, and then some other stories that didn't quite make it into the top ten that we think are still pretty important or pretty interesting or sometimes just pretty ridiculous. Uh, so it will be the top ten and then some, uh, plus uh, we may actually get an interview this week. We're going to try really hard. And, of course, coming soon within the next couple of weeks, Sundays will be taken up by a commentary podcast. Just a quick uh, 15 minute or so ramblings of me talking about some of the issues here for the week, getting a bit deeper, getting a bit more political, getting a bit more introspective, if you will. Hopefully you will enjoy that new edition as much as you enjoy the older editions we've had so far. And if you enjoy those editions, we ask you to share them with friends, whether our Facebook feed, which is, of course, This Is The Conversation, our Twitter feed, which is TH underscore conversation, the website, thisistheconversation.com, the podcast, especially the podcast, and leave us ratings and reviews uh, wherever you receive your podcast from. And if you are a person who gets it off an app like uh, Pocket Cast or Apple Podcasts, uh, please step back to the place where they actually originate, iTunes or Stitcher or Spreaker or even the website. Let us know how well we're doing in these podcasts. We need your feedback. We love your feedback, and we want to make sure we're doing the best for you in the process. We also want to make sure that you stop by and get a chance to join the Conversation Survey panel. Go to thisistheconversation.com slash survey panel. This is a way to get paid to get your opinion. It's paid surveys, and it's simple. You get yourself in. You don't have to requalify every time a survey in, that interests you comes up. If we think it's going to be in your interest, we will send it to you. If you fill it out, we will pay you directly, just like that. Check it out at thisistheconversation.com slash survey panel. Meantime, thank you, 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 thank you. Not sure how many thank yous that is, but how about three more? Thank you, thank you, thank you for Joining us for the ride that is This is the Conversation every single day with the daily recaps and, of course, through social media all day long. You just react to the stories that you like, and we will count them up and figure out which ones are the best ones to talk about. It's that simple. Make sure you share. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you talk about it to a couple folks. 
and talk to us about ourselves if you'd like to. And meantime, show up tomorrow. Tomorrow morning on Saturday, we'll have the weekly wrap-up podcast. And then on Monday, as we said, we'll wrap up Friday, Saturday, Sunday in a weekend, but we'll still call it the Daily Recap Podcast. Coming from thisconversation.com. <laughs>